Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hey everybody, welcome back to season two season two. of season Just two. Sayin' podcast. Boom, boom. We're so happy to have you here. We sure are. And this season, last season we talked about life and we covered a really wide variety of topics. So I want to encourage you all, if you're just new to the podcast, uh, go back and listen to listen from the beginning. And we talked about issues like dating and bullying and alcohol, just different stuff like that. But this season we're covering a different topic and that is faith. So I'm very excited about this season, and today we are talking about truth, the Bible being the truth. So, you ready to jump into this? Well, are you giving me a choice? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm ready. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? We're already here. Yeah. Okay. Might well, we got well. these microphones. We got the microphones. And a recording and a device. Computer. Yeah. So, we, let's just do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Here we go. Why not? <laughs> All right. So, starting us off, what is truth with a capital T. Capital T. Well, I I think again, and I know I do this almost every episode, I think. It's good to remind people. Right. Our mission statement is that we're answering these questions through the lens of Scripture. We're looking at the issues of life through the lens of Scripture. So, you know, that's, I, I just need people to understand that's where I'm coming from. Because we live in a world where this word can take so many different meanings. And so I I need people to understand that the idea of ultimate truth, absolute truth, is not a dinosaur. It's real. Mm -hmm. It's not something that was changed just because a bunch of people didn't like what it was representing. So, yes, there is ultimate truth and, and absolute truth, but it's sad to know that Three out of four Americans don't believe in absolute truth. Three, Three out, of four. out of four. Think about wow. that. That's a real that's statistic. A, that's, that's almost 75%. That's a, <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but the numbers really don't look that much better among those who claim to follow Jesus. Mm. And that, I think, is where we're going to run into and, and are running into, but we'll run into some real issues, is you know, non-believers you could almost understand why they would not believe in absolute truth. But when you come to those who are connected to the community of faith and, and they, they are almost the same, uh, I think it's about 60% that don't believe in absolute yeah. truth. So in a society it's where... It's still a lot. It is. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's concerning. Um, well, and to take it just a step further to the generation that's in high school right now, Okay. Four percent believe that it's there, there is an absolute truth. Four wow. percent. I mean, and so you can't just say, well, these this this generation has just lost their way. No, this generation was led that way, yeah, mm, right. by somebody, right? And and I mean, we, we can get into that later, but anyway, we, we live in a time where people say, just believe whatever, whatever you want to. Believe whatever you want, do whatever you want, live for whatever brings you pleasure as long as it doesn't hurt someone, uh, and be tolerant with that. <laughs> you know, you, you believe the truth can be whatever you want it to be, but be tolerant with that. Don't of, try to push that. other people's Yeah, don't truth. push that on anybody. Yeah. Uh, but where does that leave us? 
You know, if if we have ultimate truth, uh, it, it gives us both a way to explain the world around us as well as giving us a basis for making decisions. So what is truth? I believe truth is the Word of God. Again, just saying, looking at life issues through the lens of Scripture. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your, capital Y, your truth. Your Word is truth. Uh, even Old Testament, Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Jesus said to them in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He did not say, I am a way. He did not say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth. So what is the truth? Through the lens of Scripture, the truth is the Word of God represented by the person of Jesus Christ. Just saying. Just saying. Boom. Mic drop. Uh, well, we can't really I, I do can't, that. Yeah. yeah, these yeah. are these it's are not fixed. practical. Yeah, yeah, we got them in little fancy little holders that we can move around and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, speaking of truth, what is the world's definition of truth versus the Bible's definition? Well, I wrote down a couple things, Allison. Okay. I know that surprises you hmm. that I wrote a few <laughs> things down. The dictionary actually calls truth the quality or the state of being true, which. It's kind of vague. You're going to say, but, you duh. Know. <laughs> you know, like, you know, the quality or the state of being true, of yeah. course, that's the truth. Right. I think when you look at... That's true, though. It is true, because <laughs> that has a state of being true. Exactly. Uh, what I said. Please, let's move, <laughs> move out on. of this. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I think when you look at a worldly view versus a Christian view, we, we land on two words, and that is absolute or relative. Absolute or relative. Relative would be what I call a worldly view of truth. The truth is relative to what I think. As it pertains to you. Right. Again, believe whatever you want. Do whatever seems best to you. Look for whatever brings you pleasure as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. And, of course, be tolerant with that because you can't try and tell anybody that what they're doing is wrong. Right. So the the worldview of truth is, is relative, relative to what I think. And I know we could take this conversation in a, in a whole nother direction when we begin to talk about why that's a problem. Why would that be a problem? Why can't my truth be my truth and your truth be your truth? And the simple answer to that is that eventually they're going to collide. Because eventually something I think is true is not going to be something that you're going to think is true. And then how do we decide? So the worldly view is a relative truth where I think... Uh, the Christian view of truth is a truth that's built on absolute truth. Again, back to the Word of God represented through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and there, there's a doctrine, believe it or not, alive and well in the world today called relativism. Okay, mm-hmm. Relativism is a doctrine where there is no absolute truth. Right? It's, it's just a truth that's based on how I feel. In a particular frame of reference, based on a particular set of circumstances, I think this is true, not based on absolute. And so uh, that becomes very subjective to the person, whereas the Christian view of truth is based on, you know, an absolute, this thing called the Bible, the Word of God that we have that is represented in the person of Jesus Christ 
John chapter 1, verse 1, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. So that there's your Word, and that's the truth. And that gives us a um, common target to, to shoot at. So that, that I think the world's view is relative. The, the biblical view or the Christian view of truth is absolute. And I think that's the difference between the two. So does every religion contain some sort of truth? Well, uh, if you define some sort of truth, <laughs> the answer is yes. I mean, obviously, and again, through the lens of Scripture, just saying, you know, the enemy's idea here is to uh, bring deception, and the way he does that is just put just enough truth in there for it to make it believable, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I, I do think that every religion has some kind of truth, and then you could even take that a step further and say, you know, uh, most religions say treat people nice. You know, most religions don't say go out and and hate on people. Or, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there there is a truth, mm-hmm. right? But as far as absolute versus relative truth, uh, I, I, I'm I'm going to stop short of saying, obviously I have to stop short of saying every religion has an absolute truth because I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think in, in their conviction, someone that might be part of a different religion, a different worldview, in their conviction, they may see that as absolute truth from their viewpoint. But from the Christian perspective, through the lens of Scripture, uh, while they have maybe some elements of truth, they do not have absolute truth. Um, Every religion contains some kind of relative or subjective truth, but there's only one absolute truth, and that's God's truth. Um, And when we have that, we have the same target to shoot at. It reminds me of the story, the guy driving down the road, he drives past a farmer's barn, he looks at the side of the barn, and there are several targets on there, and the bullseye on each one of those targets is just wore out with bullet holes. And he's, he's good. i got to stop and talk to this guy. He's obviously an excellent marksman. Yeah. So he goes up and he asks the farmer, he goes, you got to tell me how you do that. And he said, oh, I just shoot the barn, then I go out and paint the target around <laughs> where I shot. Well, I, I think that's kind of what happens, yeah. right? It's, if, you, if you take absolute truth out of the out of the equation you make it relative i'm just shooting the side of the barn and painting my target on wherever i want to Mm -hmm. and and i think that's where we run into trouble and and that's not absolute that's relative that's subjective i read this quote and i'll read this and i'll let you get to your next question we often think that all religions are fundamentally i'm sorry fundamentally i said fundamentally (laughs) yeah you did how did i get there (laughs) we all (laughs) The truth of the matter is the word is fundamentally. Yes. We often think that all religions are fundamentally the same and only superficially different, right? We often think that we're all just really close. We just have a few differences when actually the opposite is true. They're fundamentally different, and at best, we are only superficially similar. Mm, that's good. Right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of where it's at, and... That, that's not coming, please uh, understand, that's not coming from a, a heart of hate. That's not coming from any, any kind of uh, malicious intent towards what anybody believes. Right. I'm just telling you where I'm at. I'm, I'm giving you my conviction and what I think it would be or should be the Christian view of this thing called truth. Right. All right, so we've established what truth is, right, and that is the Word of God. So how do we know that the Bible is true? 
I, I don't think anybody's really going to like my answer to this question, <laughs> but the simple fact is we know it by faith. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, we could exhaust weeks of talking about, you know, how we could prove the Bible and historically and archaeologically and all these. In the end, the only way anybody's going to believe that this is the Word of God is if they believe it by faith. Uh, even with all the other things, we, we live our life by faith. We go out and stick the key in the ignition of the car and we turn it by faith. Yeah. Right? In I hopes mean, that it will in start. In hopes that, well, yesterday like they did. Like Allison's did not yesterday. Oh, <laughs> How did that come up? Because Tyler was the one that gave me a jack. Oh, well, ty- Tyler. Jump. Jump. Well, jump. Sorry. <laughs> we weren't changing tires. We were, no, jump. Uh, well, it's a new ministry for Tyler. That's two weeks in a row. Yeah. I know. It's, it's jump, crazy. So it's, a, it's a ministry that he, he has here. But <laughs> the, the, the simple <laughs> fact is we live by faith. And, and I mean, a lot of things that we do is by faith. I live by faith in Jesus Christ. And because I live by faith in Jesus Christ, that compels me to believe his word by faith. And again, there, there are historical evidences, there's archaeological evidences, but in the end, the simple answer to that question is faith. Yeah. I must believe his word by faith. And, and I, I mean, I could have written a lot of other stuff, but that's it. That's, that's what I wrote down. We have to believe it by faith. Okay. All right. So how were the books of the Bible chosen to be a part of the canon, which is the scripture that we hold in our Bibles today? The, the collection. The collection the of the collection. books that uh, the authors or editors or whatever put together and chose that to be the Bible. How were those chosen and why were some books that were written to be a part of it left out? Mm-hmm. Well, um, let me let me just tweak what you said there at the very end. Uh, we don't know what was written to be part of mm-hmm. because let's, and again, some people could probably take me to task on this, but there were tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that came to know Jesus before there was what we call the New Testament. There was an Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Hebrew Scriptures, if you will. But there were a lot of people that came to know Jesus long before there was a New Testament. So I don't know if these writings uh, were written... Uh, man, this this is going to get sticky. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if people were writing thinking, I'm writing this letter to the church at Corinth, and it's going to become part of a book. The Holy Scriptures, right. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do think there came a point, this all started with oral tradition, right? People are just sitting around telling, you know, let me tell you about what happened with Noah. Let me tell you what. And then there, there came a point where they thought, you know what? We ought to write some of this stuff down. Yeah. And so they began to write these things down, and... That oral tradition that was passed on word of mouth eventually becomes something that's written, and those writings became a source for what we know now as the Bible, okay? So, um, again, I, I, I know all scriptures inspired by the Spirit of God. We believe that as a church. I believe that as an individual, uh, but I don't know that people were writing thinking that this will become part of a collection, the canon of books. Um, you fast forward to about 400 AD, 397 to be exact. Um, and there were some church fathers who began to decide what was going to become this thing called the canon or the Bible. And, and they really used three specific criteria that that's really simple. One is the authorship of the book. If they could prove, or the letter, if they could prove uh, who wrote the book, 
that they would that would pass the number one criteria for a book to be considered canonical or part of the canon it must have been written by a prophet or an apostle uh, one who had a special relationship with Jesus the second piece of criteria was what they called the witness of the spirit uh, the appeal to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit was was made to aid people in understanding which uh, which books belonged to which ones didn't, you know, a, a discerning, if you will. And I know, just hang with me for a second, I know that leaves a lot of wiggle room in there, but I, I hopefully can bring it together. And and then acceptance was the third piece of criteria. Acceptance was what, what was used in their weekly gatherings. You know, uh, were they using, let's just say, were they using the Gospel of Luke in their weekly gatherings, but then sometime just before the 400 AD meeting, somebody introduced, you know, the Gospel of Judas, which there is a Gospel of Judas. And they say, well, this is not something that was really used in the weekly meetings. This was not acceptance. I just did air quotes. (laughs) Acceptance. And so authorship... Witness of the Spirit, acceptance, and acceptance being that which was used. So that that was the criteria that the church fathers used. Now, again, I realize there's wiggle room in there. Somebody might say, well, it was just up to men who decided what was in the Bible. Listen, if my God, the God I believe in, Jehovah, the creator of all the earth, if he's not big enough to orchestrate the movements that it took for us to get this thing called the Bible and for him to have in that that book, what he wanted us to have. If I don't believe I serve a God that could orchestrate that, I'm serving the wrong God, right? I mean, I believe even church fathers that that were uh, deciding by this criteria what books were going to get in and what books were not, um, I have to believe God was in that. And that even puts me in part of the criteria. That's a witness to my spirit that, yes, that's what we've got. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke made it in real easy. John... It was, a, it was a tight race because John, the gospel of John begins to introduce a lot of spiritual things, the spirit of God. Matter of fact, they, they can, some people consider John to have been an Essian. The Essians were a very spiritual group of, of people back in Jesus' day, and it was a tough one. The book of, of the Revelation of Jesus Christ almost didn't make it in, you know. And so somebody could say, well, those books that didn't make it in should have made it in. Some of those books that are in shouldn't have made it I believe by faith yeah. that God has in there what he wanted us to have. And if there was supposed to have been something else, he, he would have given us something else. If, if the gospel of Thomas was supposed to be in there, it'd be in there. If the, if the infant gospel of Jesus Christ, oh, which I don't know if, if anybody's heard of it, but there is an infant it's, this gospel. This is some really interesting stuff to research, too. Oh, what it, it is, said yeah. was in the gospels it, that didn't make it in the canon. And it's all available. I right, mean, right. On that thing called the interweb. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Uh, so, so we have the promise of Jesus and his disciples uh, that, that there would be recall, that the Holy Spirit would give us recall. And that our, our spirit would would uh, would be kindred with what we're reading, and I think that that's a big help as well. So, church fathers decided, but I believe God was orchestrating that. Uh, the the New Testament has books that I think God wanted in there, and there's some that didn't make it in, but that was because they didn't meet the criteria. And that's part of the answer. But I think the bigger answer is they're not in there because God said that that He didn't want them in there. Hmm. So, what about with? Um 
the Catholic Bible. In the Old Testament, there are a couple books. I know it's... Books of the Apocrypha. Right. Yeah. And Maccabees yeah. and Tobit, yeah. right? Yeah. And those are the two. That's a couple of them. I think there's... There, there might more, be four. Maybe? I think there's four altogether. Okay. But maybe it's Maccabees one and two. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. I, yeah. So why, what about those two? Well, uh, again, I think that, that when we had the big schism in, I think, uh, 10, 11, something like that, or 11, 10 um, AD, I, I think that there was uh, some more decisions made there that, that uh, even narrowed the criteria down. And, and some church fathers, some Christian church fathers decided, you know, that, that those books didn't meet the criteria. Now, I, I have several Bibles in my office, and, and many of them have those books in there, um, not as part of the Bible, but as, you know, a, a, like an addendum. Here's, so it's not like necessarily that they were all discarded, but uh, th th it came to, to be that they just didn't really meet the criteria as closely as, as some of the others that, that did make it in. Um, and and I, many people wonder who, who decided what books, and of course we, we went through that. The simple answer is God decided what books are going to be in there. I mean, again, we men decided here, men decided, but no, God decided. And I have a quote by J.I. Pa uh, Packer. He's just a, a great preacher and theologian. Here's what he said. He said, the church, speaking about those church fathers, the church no more, no more gave us the New Testament canon than Sir Isaac Newton gave us the force of gravity, mm. right? God gave us gravity by his work of creation, and similarly, he gave us the New Testament canon by inspiration and the individual books that make up what we call the New Testament. So, you know, people say, well, it was men that did it. Well, you know, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Newton didn't give us gravity. <laughs> what's his name? Right? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, okay. Yeah, I'm so, I, I'm old. I'm, six, <laughs> I'm 61 almost. So, um, Newton didn't give us gravity, but he wrote about it. Right. He, right? Yeah. in a sense, discovered that there was something present there. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think if you read some of the other, oh, I don't recommend that you read necessarily some of the Gospels or some of the other, you know, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. I, but uh, some of the books of the Apocrypha, you could read those, and there's probably some good stuff in there that your spirit would identify with, and and uh, you know that's okay. I just and, and I and we read extra biblical things. Read about Josephus, the great historian. Right. You can read his books, and and I think that's all good because I think that brings us back to this point of confirmation of what's in there is what's supposed to be in there. Yeah. Okay. So. Is it wrong to tell other people that their religion or belief system is wrong? I hope that if you are listening to our podcast and you are a non-Christian, now that might mean you're part of another faith that's not a Christian faith, that, that you will not uh, take this in any way, shape, or form as being malicious or being mean or being ugly. But the single greatest stumbling block for non-believers coming to faith in Jesus Christ is this issue of exclusivity. Meaning that Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You can't come to the Father except by me. So as Bible-believing Christians, we have to be prepared and willing <laughs> and willing to share the exclusive gospel in an inclusive world, right? 
there's this big thing of tolerance and coexistence and, and all roads lead to heaven. Right. Uh, Dr. There's... Jeffers, a pastor in, in Dallas, wrote that book, All Roads Lead to Heaven, but they don't. No. They don't. And, and here's the thing. Does it matter what you believe as long as you believe with all your heart? You know, I think it does. I mean, I think it does matter what you believe. Um, some people say, listen, I believe what I want to believe. I believe with all my heart. Well, you, you can believe that and you could be wrong. Right. Now, I realize that the script could get flipped and someone could say the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what if you're wrong? Um, and and I, I have to be strong in my faith. I have to be confident in my faith. I have to be courageous in my faith. Uh, and, and here's why it matters. This this is the number one stumbling block is, is presenting an exclusive Jesus in an inclusive world. And it becomes important because my own eternal destiny is dependent mm-hmm. on whether that's true or not. Yeah. Now... I say it that way because what if what if I if I think I'm I have this truth in me, Jesus Christ and God's word, and I have a family member or a friend that that doesn't believe that, and I tell them, you know what, that's okay. You know, you just believe what you want to believe. Right. I am I not in essence saying it's okay. You can die and go to hell. Right. Exactly. Because you don't believe exactly. that Jesus is the way and the truth. I know that sounds harsh. And, and and I don't mean to be harsh, but also I don't want to love people to hell. Yeah, or right? respect their religion enough not to tell them that they're wrong. Yeah, and yeah. if we if we truly believe that Jesus is the one way to get to heaven, then if you really love those people, then you're gonna want to share that message Absolutely. with them, yeah. Yeah. even if it hurts their feelings. Yeah. yeah, I would rather say something to someone risking hurting their feelings or, or even risking whatever relationship I might have with that person. I'd rather say it than to go into eternity having never said it, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, that thought is a catalyst to me on a daily basis to make sure that I'm, I am being a good instrument and mouthpiece for God, right? Because I don't want anybody to go into a Christless eternity, right? I want them to have Jesus, so I've got to share that with them. If I, re- if that's my conviction, and again, um, I understand political correctness, I understand tolerance, I understand coexistence, but if what I believe is not strong enough in me to be able to say it to someone else, then then what I'm believing is a lie. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if I can't say it, then what I believe. It, it may not be a, a, a truth. And so I have to believe it strong enough. Uh, i say this one more thing. Uh, Satan, this guy called the devil, he's real. He's not some guy in a red onesie with a pitchfork <laughs> and the horns. And uh, he, He's a real guy. I mean, he's a fallen angel, and he really tries to interfere and interrupt and stop us um, from believing he realizes that the most effective way to prevent people from legitimately connecting with God through faith in Christ is to offer thousands of other ways to get there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's divide and conquer. That's what he's done from the very beginning. And, and he's very, very good at it. And these other roads, he's going to falsely promise people that they lead to God, that they lead to heaven, and, and they don't. Um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, the, the children of God are, are in captivity in Egypt. They've been in slavery for 400 years. 
God calls Moses, who was one of the Hebrews, who was raised in the house of Pharaoh. A lot of people know that story in the Old Testament, but I don't want to assume everybody does. Moses is raised in the house of Pharaoh. He ends up killing a couple of Egyptians. He runs into the wilderness. He's in the wilderness for 40 years. One day he walks by this bush. It's on fire. There's a voice that's coming from the bush. And God is talking to Moses saying, I want you to go and lead my people free from their captivity. Moses' question was, well, who should I tell them sent me, right? And in chapter 3, verse 14 of Exodus, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you should say to the children of Israel, I am sent me to you. Here, here's why I say that. God did not say, I am whoever you think I am. Mm. Right. Now, I, I know that we have fun on this podcast, and I enjoy doing it. But I, I have to pause right there and say I felt that somebody just needs to hear that. Yeah. He didn't say I am whoever and whatever you think I am. He said I am who I am. Yeah. And so that tells me that, uh, you know, Jesus is not offering eternal life to everyone who sincerely seeks the truth. Yeah, or is a good person. Right, yeah. Good people are going to split hell wide open is, is the truth. Um and God's not offering eternal life to those who believe in a God of his or her choosing. That, that's not what he said. He's not offering eternal life to whoever lives a responsible moral code. Yeah. That, that's not it. According to Jesus, only those who believe in him. Mm-hmm. I am that I am. So if I can't communicate that or don't want to communicate that, then my own eternal destination is at risk. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Need to reevaluate that decision. Absolutely. All right. So is there such a thing as, quote, unquote, my truth? Uh, could you give us a little bit of air quotes when you do that? Yeah, my, quote, unquote. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you very much. Uh, of course. Of course there is. There, there, everybody can have a truth, but that doesn't make it the truth, capital T, like you said at the very beginning. Just it's, saying. It's relative. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's subjective. It's, Wow, you guys have used all the words that I've used today. You're such good students. Thank you. Um, so we, we have a desire for comfort and a disdain for conflict. So to avoid the conflict, we mold our own truth. And we do that relatively, subjectively. We paint the bullseye. Exactly right. We, we, we are being indoctrinated. Listen, we are being indoctrinated to be tolerant. We're being indoctrinated to coexist. And part of that is, listen, whatever's true for you is true for you, and whatever's true for me is true for me, as long as it doesn't bother anybody. Right. And, I, and so we, we can all have our own truth, but there is only one capital T truth. Maybe we should get it. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> we should have the first Just Sam podcast T-shirt. Merch. Merch Yo, coming soon. Merch. <laughs> And it, and it like should say it. there's only one capital T truth. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. And that I think that's where you get, when you have my truth, I think that's where you get in the dangerous area of leaving out the parts of the Bible that you just don't agree with. And that's that's dangerous. You cannot be selective. Yeah. You cannot be selective. No. You, you got to believe. Uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, David Jeremiah is a, a, a preacher, pastor on the West Coast. I, I really like him a lot. Uh, he tells this story about a woman who approached him after he preached a sermon, and she's protesting to him. She says, my God, my God would never send someone to hell for simply not believing in Jesus. Mm. 
To which David Jeremiah replied, you're right, because your God doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's just, there's one God, there's one way, and there's one truth. And, And as much as I want at times to maybe... To, to maybe, I don't want to say dilute that just so that I could get into a dialogue with somebody um, as much as I would like for that to, to be easy. It's, it's not. There's one God and there's one word and there's one truth. And it's this thing called the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's represented in the person of Jesus Christ, who is a co-equal with God, the creator. And that that's that's it. That's it right there. Um you know, the problem with us is someone said in the beginning, God created man in his image, and we've been trying to return the favor ever since, right? We want to try to create him in the image yeah. we need him right. to be in, but well, it, that's, it doesn't work that that's way. That's what I find interesting about the whole thing is that he is already what we need him to be. Yeah. We yeah. try to write this truth around the things we do when the fact of the matter is that he's still going to forgive us for the things we do if we believe in him Absolutely. and we, we ask his forgiveness. So really, he's already the God that we need him to be, right? And and that's yeah. I just it, it just blows my mind. Yeah, when you, you when know? you take that, it's and make your own truth and make God whoever you want him to be. Essentially, you're saying you know better than God. Yeah, and that that and that you t- have that authority. Like yeah. we don't, and yeah. that's why it's essential for believers to be in the Scripture and to know it and to write it on your heart. And study it for yourself, you know? Like we have this truth right in front of us and we need to live by it. If you're so. gonna if you're gonna take away any of his truth, you're gonna take away the one truth, the one the best thing that he could have given to us, which was his grace. Oh yeah. And his forgiveness. Well and and I know this is probably a topic for another podcast, but you know, Christianity is the only worldview that teaches grace. There's, you know, you don't find the word grace in the other worldviews, and when I say worldviews, I'm talking about religious systems, and that is that's that's a crucial part. And I would encourage anybody that's listening. I know we got maybe one more question that, that Allison, the producer, <laughs> wants to get to, uh, but I w- I would encourage anybody out there that just you're struggling with what we're saying. Let me just encourage you to try to change your perspective. Just. Just try. I mean, I don't know. And I'm working on a sermon series, so maybe some of that's coming out on me right now. <laughs> but you know, when have you ever done that where you see somebody at a distance and you think it's somebody you know, and you yeah. start waving yeah. at them, but oh, when they get closer, get the closer, embarrassment. Whoops, yeah, <laughs> got to change your perspective, right? And so uh, that that's what I would encourage anybody to do. Just change your perspective. I've often even said this: if you're an, if you're not a believer, uh, just try it. Try it for ninety days. <laughs> just, just try for ninety days. money back guarantee. Money back guarantee, right here. Just saying, that's some more merchandise we can get. A hat, a hat. Ninety days. Just try it, um, because it, because it works. It's real. God is real. His truth is real. Jesus is real. Mm-hmm. And and we're not just saying this so that we could have you know fodder for a podcast. I mean, we're saying it because it's true. Yeah. And um, you, you can have your own truth if you want to. But you can also unplug your cable from the wall and put it into the toaster, yeah. right? And you're not going to watch TV that night, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to see something different. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry. I mean, that really did lead us into my next question. Wow. Yeah, really well. And that is, you know, how does the truth really set us free? What is the scripture exactly? Um, John, well, I'm glad you said it. I got it written down right here. John 8, okay. 32. Of course uh, you do. Of course I do. <laughs> I try to come in a little bit prepared, guys. Yeah. Uh, we need to understand, number one, the truth that sets us free is not your truth. It's, it's not my truth. Capital T. For those of you that don't know, I just pointed to Allison. <laughs> Uh, well, yes, and it's, and it's not mine either. It's ca- yeah, or Tyler's. <laughs> it's capital T truth, right? Yes. That's the one that sets us free. And, and the reason I make that distinction, and I'm, I'm going to try to hurry, I had someone come in my office one one day that was dating somebody in our church. All right, they, the two both attended our church. They were dating. They broke up. One of the couple comes to me and says, uh, "I need you to get in the pulpit." And I need you to tell the people what's going on, that this other person is committing adultery. This, is, this was their words, not mine. And I said, well, number one, you're not married, so that wouldn't be adultery. It would be fornication. But that's not really my business unless it begins to affect our church. And this is really something between you and, and them. And, and this is what they said. Listen, people need to know the truth because the truth sets them free. <laughs> that, <laughs> and I looked at that person and I, and I said, you're right. It's not your truth, yeah. right? right, right. It, it's or G- her truth. Yeah. It's cap- <laughs> or his truth. Let's say it together. It's capital, capital T, T truth. truth. Right. So we, we need to understand that it's not a relative truth. It's not a subjective truth that sets us free. It's, free. it's the absolute truth. So the, the verse that, that Allison mentioned there, John 8, 32, that's kind of where we base this from. And it does say, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The problem is most people take that out of context. Just like the story I just told, that person knew that verse, right? You'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. And they thought it was their truth, but it's not. you got to back up to verse 31 to really understand it in context. And, and Jesus said to those who believed in him, here it is, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Then verse 32, right? You'll know the truth. How do we know the truth? If we abide in his word, then you're my disciple. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Paul says it's it's not a lack of evidence that keeps an unbeliever from finding God. It's a lack of desire that causes them not to look for God. And so this truth thing is so, so crucial. And and for people just to flippantly, uh, you know, quote a verse to try to back up their uh, yeah. particular conviction. It just, it drives me crazy because, and I'm getting ready to give you the, give you one of those long cliche things, you know, uh, text without context is a pretext to a proof text. In other words, if I take a, just a text and I take it out of the context, it really becomes my avenue to a false text. Yeah. And that's what so many people do, but that's not what the Bible's for. The Bible is for us to learn absolute truth and how that affects our lives and how we then should live after knowing the absolute truth. Yeah. What's funny is I've been listening to another podcast about (gasps) cults and (laughs) L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, used that verse for Scientology. Well, you... And, and maybe this is hyperbole. I, I, I hope it doesn't come across that way. Do you know who knows the Bible better than anybody? The, the devil. The devil. Sure. And he can twist it and turn it and make it say whatever it needs to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is. I mean, th- there are other religious views that have their own Bible. 
But even in their Bible, they'll have enough of the Christian Bible to make it believable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I, pr- I probably ought to just leave it at that but uh, <laughs> because I'll, I'll end up uh, going for another 30 minutes. We, we don't have time. But um, let me just throw two more pieces of paper on the floor like I've been throwing <laughs> since we started. And uh, the, the truth, the capital T truth, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and, and I, would, I would have to say there is no other way uh, to heaven, to eternal life, other than through Christ. He is the truth, the way, and the life. And we must believe in him to, to make it there. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye.